Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening to you all. This is the Business Day Spotlight, your destination for African business made simple. My name is Mudiwa Gavaza, and for today, we do get into, you know, the hard economics news of the week. It is a Friday, uh, which means we look at uh, what's going on in and around the economy. And this week, uh, undoubtedly, some of the biggest news out of the economy is uh, some new numbers that have come out um, when we're looking at uh, unemployment as well as inflation. And uh, I think for today, Today we're basically taking a pulse check uh, more than anything else of where you know where we are in the economy and how things are going so today I'm going to be you know chatting uh, for the next uh, couple of minutes uh, with the Davi Root who is uh, the chief economist over at efficient group and uh, you know hopefully we can uh, you know just see uh, you know where we are at um, when it comes to the economy <music> Davi, greetings to you once again. Thank you very much. Um, I think maybe a good place for us to start, you know, today is that pulse check. Um, you know, we, we've just seen some uh, unemployment numbers, you know, some softening on uh, unemployment, uh, which is good news. But at the same time, a little bit of acceleration on the inflation front. You know, you've got uh, that push and pull uh, that's going on in the economy. Um, your take in terms of, you know, your pulse reading of uh, the South African economy at the moment. Yeah, I think it's always important to start off with a little bit of a global context to understand where the world finds itself globally. Uh, and I think, as we all know, that inflation is a big story uh, in the world at the moment. And the question is, how far are central banks going to tighten monetary policy or increase interest rates internationally? And I think they still have a long way to go. Uh, that is important for us because that affects things like, for example, the exchange rate of our currency, which, of course, filters through to things like, for example, inflation and so on. Obviously, also, is that the world economy is slowing down. We've been seeing that. But I think there are some, there are some signs that the world economy is actually not doing that badly. Uh, and, and one reason why I say so is because the American economy, they've gone through two subsequent quarters of negative economic growth. And everybody is arguing on whether the American economy is actually in a recession or not. Uh, but, but I do think that the world economy, I think the worst is perhaps behind us. And we're going to see some bad numbers coming out over the next couple of months. But we're getting closer to that upper turning point uh, as far as the inflation numbers are concerned. And that, like I've said, affected affect the South African economy. Uh, the dollar went stronger than the euro the past week again. So the dollar today is below. You pay less than one dollar for for a euro, and when the dollar goes up, then everything else goes down. But unfortunately, and that's a bit of an exception, it did not happen to the oil price. The oil price actually went up, even in dollar terms, a little bit, but still. I think that the trajectory in the oil price is currently on the low for a falling oil price. And then a couple of local numbers. Uh, the, you, you mentioned the unemployment numbers. The unemployment numbers came in a little bit better than expected, better than what I've expected. Came in as a, as a bit of a surprise. Trying to figure out why that is so, I think part of the reason for that is, is that we have to understand that just about all economic data, the past two years and perhaps for the next year or so, is going to be quite quite wild. It's going to be quite volatile. And the reason why I say so is because the world just came out of a lockdown. We've had this, the impact of the war in Ukraine. And things are, numbers are all over the place. And it takes some time for the numbers to settle down somewhere. And I think that's part of the reason why we saw an improvement in the unemployment numbers. The unemployment coming down because we're kind of returning to normality. 
just before COVID. And I think that's part of the reason for that. I'm not so sure that this can be, uh, this will continue. And I'm not so sure that we will see significant further falls in unemployment. In fact, that's something that we should be talking about. I think that we've got some serious issues as far as unemployment is concerned. Then the inflation numbers, that it went up. It went up faster than what we've expected. The drivers behind, the short-term drivers behind that is that, of course, food prices going up and energy prices going up. Uh, but the good news is that if you look at core inflation, that is still pretty much in the middle of that target band of the Reserve Bank. Uh, that's important to keep an eye on core inflation because that will give us an indication on whether inflation is a secondary round of inflation. Uh, and that's something that I think we have to spend a little bit more time on as well. And maybe a last comment that I think is worth make, making, and we have to make this comment always, is that if you look at the prospects for the South African economy in terms of economic growth, it remains weak. I think we're talking about the, the underlying economic growth trajectory in South Africa is between 1.5 and 2%. And there are many reasons for that. Uh, the wrong policies, mismanagement of the economy by politicians. And talking about politicians, I don't think we're going to see much political leadership for the next couple of months because it is the election, the ANC election around the corner. And then it's a general election and politicians, there's so much infighting, they've forgotten to run the country. They only there's so much infighting in the especially in the ANC. So that, in a nutshell, is where you see the South African economy. <laughs> that's uh, quite a, that's quite a pulse check that you've given to us, uh, Darvi. And you know, this is uh, one of the reasons why we like talking to you because you know, quite comprehensive in actually you know pinning down you know some of the major issues. And I guess it also speaks to the fact that you know when you're um, looking at an economy, um, you can never look at any one factor. Um, in isolation um, and I want to maybe get into each of the items that you that you spoke about drilled down just a little bit on a couple of the points uh, starting with unemployment and um, it's an interesting one that you brought up because um, you know whilst others are sounding positive you know to say that okay fine um, there was an increase I believe of about 600 or so thousand jobs um, in the economy um, you're sort of uh, a bit more dovish or you know, might I say a little more, a little more uh, pessimistic about uh, you know that uh, you know that number and where and that particular trajectory because you know I know that there is a school of thought that you know perhaps uh, this is a sign that uh, South Africa is you know starting to recover and you know as a lot of more businesses are coming back online uh, that we are going to see a little bit more uh, of the softening on the unemployment but you're saying no um, we yeah. need to maybe look at it in a slightly different way. Yeah, no, certainly. Now, I won't be surprised if we see unemployment coming down again in the next quarter. But even if unemployment goes down to 30% or even 25%, uh, we still have totally unacceptable levels of unemployment in South Africa. And, uh, and I'm afraid we're not going to get employment down to or unemployment down below 10% or whatever the case might be, to more you know, acceptable levels. It's not going to happen. It will remain very high. And, they, and, and it's just simple maths telling me this. For one is that we have an economy growing at 1.5%, for example. We have a population growing at about 1.5%. Now, that's very easy to think, and especially with some technological changes. Uh, with the economy and population growth more or less the same, you're not going to make a dent in unemployment. It's really quite a simple one. Uh, something else that I'm very, very concerned about 
is that if you look at the unemployment and if you analyze that a little bit, you will find that we have exceptionally high levels of unemployment amongst especially the youth. Now, let me make a, a point that I think is very important. And that is, everybody wants a good job. And of course, everybody should have a good job and a well-paid job. But the best way of getting a good job is to get a job to start off with. And labor legislation in South Africa is such that getting a job is quite difficult because there are minimum wages, all sort of, uh, all sort of administrative issues that you have to adhere to if you want to employ people, very difficult to fire people, all that sort of stuff. And that many millions of unemployed young people in South Africa do not get that opportunity to get onto the first step of the ladder, to climb this employment, your career going forward. And that's, that's a lost generation. And that's part of the reason why I'm so concerned. And this is a, this is a, this is a time bomb waiting to explode. Additional to that, um, if you look at the nature of economies, economies grow in the advanced side of the economy, in the tertiary side of the economy, also the South African economy, by the way. The little growth that we do see now and again will happen in things like, for example, finance is a good example. The service industry is a good example. But the manufacturing industry, we're not growing there or not by much. And that's actually where we need a lot of growth as well. Also in the tertiary industries, but the manufacturing industry is very important. But don't think... A manufacturing worker is somebody with a blue overall and just putting nuts on a wheel all the time. A manufacturing worker is a highly skilled individual today. In fact, the whole economy, mostly consists of a modern economy, consists of highly skilled people. And if you look at the quality of South Africa's skills development, I'm afraid we spend a lot of money on things like education, but the outcome is absolutely horrible. And that's the second problem. So you have all these unemployed people. Uh, you cannot employ them because the economy is not growing, but you also can't employ them because they don't have the necessary skills. And, and that's another, another reason why I say that unemployment is likely to remain with us for, for a very, very long time. And the a way to do there are two problems here. We have to get this economy to grow, which is not going to happen with current policies. And the second problem is here, we have to look at skills development. And we have to put far more emphasis on primary skills development. Because that's the most important part of education. Not the final year in your PhD uh, chemistry uh, degree that you're going to do. It is grade one or even grade R or RR. Those are the really important uh, uh, years for your education and for your skills development. And I'm afraid we don't put nearly enough emphasis on that level or on that specific uh, level of uh, education in South Africa. Um, certainly, you know, certainly an important point, and especially uh, what you were saying earlier on. I remember my father always used to say that um, so the career paths and, uh, you know, the, the world of working is much easier uh, to navigate once you're now in the door. Uh, the issue most of the time is, you know, how to get into the club, not necessarily what you do once you're inside. Um, so maybe reducing some of those barriers, I, I guess it does lend itself to being a somewhat ironic situation um, to have such barriers in a situation where um, you are trying to employ, you know, at least at a time when the rhetoric is that we're trying to um, employ more and more people, you know, so, you know, definitely an interesting one um you know from that point of view and hopefully we can get 
um, a little bit of a better policy stance uh, when it comes to some of that long-term job creation because, uh, you know, to your point, it is important. The more people you have, the more taxpayers, uh, the more disposable income, yeah. etc. You know, it's a great, uh, what do you call this? It's that great virtuous cycle um, in the economy. But uh, switching over a little bit to uh, one of the other big points that, uh, you know, we're talking about today is inflation. Uh, but instead of asking necessarily about inflation itself, I wanted to you maybe get your thoughts uh, around uh, war, um, globally, you know, because that's where we began the conversation to look at uh, the global context and then coming uh, uh, yeah. into the South African economy, uh, zooming out so that we can zoom in. So if I take uh, that step back and zoom out again, why does it seem as if um, economies around the world, particularly uh, the developed economies, are unwilling to admit a situation of uh, stagflation and or recession at the moment? Um, yeah, well, I don't think we're in a stagflation yet. I think, you know, high inflation uh, globally and even weak economic growth for a couple of months or even a year or two, that doesn't necessarily mean, mean stagflation. I think it's, it's a bit of a strong word. And actually, I'm actually quite quite optimistic that world inflation is going to start coming down soon in South Africa as well. But but maybe again, let's just talk a little bit about inflation. And with all respect to many of my colleagues, is that they, some economists don't even understand inflation. And we have to understand that inflation is not an event. It and the increase in the petrol price is not inflation. Inflation is always a process, and we have to understand. And I'll explain what I mean by that. And secondly, inflation lives on one thing. It needs something to survive on, and that thing is called money. It is impossible to have inflation if you don't have money. Because the definition of inflation is things are getting more expensive, but another definition for inflation is the value of money keeps on falling. Which, and I think I prefer the second definition. So where, where's the world as far as inflation is concerned? Well, for past 10 years, central banks have been creating money in all sorts of ways, so-called base money. We, we, we all know about quantitative easing, but we also know that for 10 years, interest rates were very, very low. So they created, say they created a pool of money. That did not yet lead to inflation because inflation is a process and it needs a spark, something to get, to get it going. And that spark happened when the economies globally started opening up which led to the sudden increase in demand globally and a lot of problems like bottlenecks and supply chains and all that. And that was the spark that got this inflationary process, got it going. And to make things even more difficult, the beginning of this year, Putin decided to invade Ukraine, pushing up things like food prices because they are major exporters of grain and oil, uh, grain, uh, I mean, sunflower oil, and also the major exporters of energy gas and, and, of course, crude oil. Uh, and that actually exacerbated this whole process, that hastened this process called inflation. Central banks uh, then, of course, had to do what they're supposed to be doing. And I, I must tell you, part of the reason why we have inflationary problems today is because of central banks acted, acting irresponsibly in the past, but not only central banks, governments as well, especially the United States government, where they spend so much money in trying to support the economy 
And that, of course, if you give people money, they spend the money. And that also added to this process of inflation. So central banks globally are tightening monetary policy. Uh, they do so the opposite of quantitative easing, quantitative tightening, withdrawing liquidity from the markets. Uh, and that, of course, put a huge ripple effect right through the fabric of, of the world economy and affect many, uh, everybody else, including the uh, emerging economies like South Africa. So when Americans increase interest rates, the dollar goes better and the rand goes weaker, as an example. But I am actually quite upbeat when it comes to inflation. And there, here are some reasons why I say so. First of all, there's a technical reason. When inflation is high, we create what, what economists call a high base. And inflation is calculated from one period or from, one, from today to a year ago, as an example, one period to the next period. So, so this high base will make it, in a way, simply statistically easier for inflation to come down going forward. So that's one important technical factor. Then a couple of other things. One is that the world economy is cooling down. World demand is cooling down. All those factors will have a dampening effect on inflation. Interest rates, like I've said, are going up. But very importantly is that food prices today, I'm talking about dollar-denominated grain prices as an example, is actually lower today than where it was before the invasion of the, of the Ukraine. And because of reasons like, for example, allowing the Ukraine to export grain and that sort of stuff. Um, and that's good news. So the food shortage that we had, and I was very concerned about that, that seemed to be alleviated to an extent, and that will have a positive impact, at least on food inflation. And it's even possible that food inflation can go negative in a year's time or in a couple of months' time, which means that food prices can actually fall, not only lower inflation, but actually negative inflation in food prices. That certainly is possible. As far as energy is concerned, uh, of course, the West is trying to wean themselves from Russian energy. They, it's going to be very tough doing that. Oil prices went through the roof, as we all know. Uh, but I, I am in contact with some people doing business with, uh, with the dodgy regimes. And a lot of that oil still gets out into the market. And the West, of course, is trying to find alternative sources of, of oil. I know they're talking to Venezuela. I know they're talking even to Iran. And we know that they're trying to talk to Saudi Arabia to try to pump more. The point is, more oil will come on the market at these sort of prices. Gas is going to be a little bit of a difficult thing, especially for Europe, because all the infrastructure is there. And what is also happening there, and that's why I think the gas price will also start coming down, is because they, they're restarting their nuclear reactors again to generate electricity and all that. So if you put all of this together, I think world inflation will start coming, coming down. I think we're pretty close to the top turning point on world inflation and in the case of South Africa as well. And I must tell you, that the South African Reserve Bank started relatively early in the cycle, when you talk, to, talk about tightening monetary policy. Fortunately for us, because that kept a lid on inflation to an extent, and that means that the Reserve Bank can take relatively small steps now going forward. Another 50 bips, I think, they will go for, and they're after 25 bips or so, and then we're probably at the end of the cycle. So, so yes, it's been tough, uh, but I think we, the worst is probably behind us, and from now on, we can start looking out for that upper turning point on inflation and eventually interest rates start falling again. That, of course, will take a little bit of time before interest rates start coming down. But I think the worst on inflation is probably behind us for now. 
Uh, it's always great when we can um, when we can get uh, some type of uh, positive sentiment about the economy um, because of all the pessimism that is out there and the undeniable negativity. It is you know tough out there, like you said, and unfortunately, most of the time we tend to uh, view things in the now. Uh, because um, fuel is expensive today, right now, um, as I'm going to the pump. Uh, the price of oil, you know, uh, not oil, cooking oil, bread, and other basic goods, yeah. you know, things are expensive today. Um, so, you know, that t- tends to take uh, precedence in people's minds because of what they're experiencing in the here and the now. Uh, but, you know, going forward, the rationale does make sense um, to say that with all of these things uh, that are going on, that we are going to see uh, some softening when it comes to inflation, particularly, um, you know, as uh, the um, Western markets reduce their reliance, particularly Europe on uh, Russian gas and all of that. Hopefully that's going to have a transmission effect, um, you know, in the rest of the, what you call this, in the rest of the global economy when it comes to, you know, some of of those issues. Um, Before we let you go, uh, Davi, there I think two big things we wanted to chat with you um, whenever we have you on one of the things we always um, you know touch on is uh, state-owned enterprises and uh, you know ESCOM etc um, but we hadn't had a chance to gauge your your view um, around uh, energy because that is a big talking point at the moment uh, liberalization on the of the market etc uh, just your thoughts around that um, you know as it pertains to being a piece in this whole economic recovery story that yeah. you are piecing together. Yeah, yeah. let me just, before we get you uh, uh, happy about the future, let me just point out two, two dark clouds. <laughs> <laughs> and the two dark clouds is, is that uh, there can be some political event happening internationally. It can lead to more military conflict in that. I mean, referring to Taiwan, I'm referring to what's going on in Central Europe. Uh, so so be, be, beware, there's a new Cold War upon us and we that that is a danger and secondly if the commodity price start if commodity prices start going down it will affect other commodity prices as well like platinum and palladium and that could lead to uh, the surplus on our current account turning into a negative and that could be weak for bad for the currency and all the implications because of that so those are two dark clouds that i just wanted to point out on your question about energy well the answer to that is is that this is quite ironic is that the ANC government is, uh, let's call it a left-leaning government, a socialist government, you can even call them a communist government. And this same communist, socialist, whatever, developmental state government called the ANC, the Tripartite Alliance, they are the government that's privatized everything, just about everything in South Africa. I think Margaret Thatcher must be smiling if she can see today what the ANC <laughs> government has, has done. And unfortunately, it is for the wrong reasons that they've privatized. They've privatized uh, postal services in South Africa when they're, they're in the process. The only difference is they didn't get any money for that because the post office has, has, is bankrupt. It's just not functioning anymore. They have privatized the, the, the airways in South Africa because it, uh, South African Airways is not running anymore. It's not flying anymore. And I don't think it is going to fly ever again. So the, and the private sector has taken over that. They've even privatized the police. Because there are three and a half times as many uh, security, private security people in South Africa than police. The police is not trusted. It's incompetent. People don't, 
Uh, the, the, the police is there, but only in name. That's that's a perception of people of the police. And today we are privatizing energy. Eskom is being privatized, and that's a good it's a good thing because it creates a lot of opportunities. It's a bad thing because, like Margaret, like Winston Churchill said about the Americans, is that you can always expect the Americans to do the right thing after they've exhausted all the alternatives. Why couldn't we do the right thing to start off with? And privatization is going to happen, not because it's policy, but simply because the ANC government cannot run a bath of water. And that's what we're seeing in electricity. Electricity is being privatized, <laughs> but that's not part of government's policy. Yeah, it's. Uh, I think, you know, we'll just be waiting to see how soon, um, you know, some of these, uh, what you call this, how soon uh, some of these projects actually actually come online. And also at the same time, um, also at the same time, how much uh, of the opportunity actually then filters down, uh, you know, to ordinary South Africans, because that always tends to be uh, where the problem yeah. is, you know, to say um, you create um, you know, we, we, we spoke about it on this platform a couple of weeks ago that, um, the liberalization of the market means that, uh, for government, private players, et cetera, there's a new pot of money, uh, particularly for the state. Um, you know, what are they going to be doing with whatever, uh, new money comes with in the form of taxes, tariffs, um, any utility surcharges that come, uh, from all of this, uh, privatization that's going to come? Is there an agenda or is it going to be sort of an ad hoc, uh, you know, type of approach to say, Oh, look, we have new money. Um, let's go and plug some holes over there. Yeah, it's, it's ad hoc thing. Unfortunately, like I've said, we privatized the wrong way. We waited until those institutions were destroyed financially and operationally. Another private sector is simply, it's not real privatization. It's simply the private sector stepping into that vacuum and providing those kind of uh, resources. But, you know, like I said, there are opportunities in this kind of environment. Um, and uh, one thing good about having a government that is really very inefficient is that they can also not implement a bad idea. And a bad idea is the NHI. So for that reason, I don't think the NHI is going to be a reality. There are many opportunities. Unfortunately, it is, it is happening haphazardly. There is no real policy. If only we could do it through a, a proper process to make sure that the economy and everybody benefits from that. Unfortunately, we did not go through that process. Um, as we end off, Davi, um, you know, just uh, reflecting on everything that uh, we've spoken about today, uh, quite a bit around unemployment, inflation, the global economy, and then obviously um, the policy stance of government and how they can improve, um, you know, the situation. Um, we want to end off, you know, on the last point around the private sector. Uh, we've taken a pulse check of, uh, you know, the economy on the whole. We know the type of pressure and uh, the sense sentiment that consumers have at the moment um you know things are tough as we said uh but businesses you know the private sector how as far as you can tell and gauge um you know from i'm sure you interact quite a bit with uh, private sector players yeah. um you know what are they feeling you know on the ground you know what are they um you know concerned or you know are they concerned about the same thing that uh, we are worried about or you know, is there a different set of problems that they are looking out uh, for, as far as you can see? No, what I can, I do get the opportunity to speak to business people quite a lot. They are in a wait and see mode at the moment. 
And you can't blame government. Or you can't blame the private sector for, for taking that stance at the moment because uh, we know what the economic problems in South Africa are. We know how to fix those economic problems, by the way. But in the meantime, we have politics. And we need, and there's an election around the corner. The politicians are not leading because of all the infighting. They, they're waiting for the election, the leadership election at the end of this year, then it's a general election. And that's what everybody is waiting for. That's the big thing that we need to get out of the way. We need to know who's going to be government. Is it going to be a coalition government? Who's going to be the role players? What's the future going to look like politically in South Africa? And everybody, everybody are sitting on their hands waiting for that to see what South Africa's political future is going to look like before I commit economically to South Africa. Now, certainly we wait to see, um, you know, just taking that cue from the private sector, we wait to see um, how things are going to develop over time, especially, you know, against the backdrop of, you know, everything that's going on. So that was us. We're talking to Davi Root, who is uh, the chief economist over at Efficient Group, giving us some insight, uh, a pulse check, so to say, around uh, the state of the South African economy right now. Um, New numbers, you know, coming out this week, um, you know, showing that there's been some softening on unemployment, uh, 600,000 plus jobs uh, created uh, over the last quarter. Uh, Davi actually saying that we're likely going to see a little bit more improvement on that front. But um, whatever improvement we see is likely not going to be enough uh, to actually address uh, the structural, you know, unemployment problem that we do face at the moment, particularly, um, you know, when it comes to youth, um, some suggestions around how uh, to reduce some of the red tape and uh, some of the barriers to entry for people, uh, especially young people, to just get into uh, the world of work. And then looking at the global context, uh, supply chain issues continue to be an issue. Energy, um, you know, how do countries reduce reliance um, on um, Russian gas, um, you know, on Russian oil, um, and how do you know, all of these different pieces come together uh, to a situation where we do see more oil, um, you know, at current prices coming, you know, online uh, from the likes of Saudi Arabia. How do we see uh, all of that then, uh, you know, feeding um, into a situation where oil supplies, oil supplies normalize and hopefully we start seeing a softening of inflation um, across the board. And then just ending off, you know, just uh, talking about where things stand, uh, you know, businesses, it's a wait and see approach uh, because uh, the problems are clear a lot of the time the solutions are clear uh, but once again the execution is where we need uh, to always always do better Davi thank you so much for being with us today my pleasure thank you this is Mudiwa's take Great discussion right there with Davi, a pulse check of where we stand in the um, economy. Uh, one of the biggest takeaways is, uh, you know, his optimism around the global economy. We often talk about the fact uh, that South Africa's economy is susceptible uh, in large part to what's going on globally. Um, so any moves that we can see uh, moving towards uh, any positive steps uh, on inflation, interest rates, uh, uh, oil 
oil prices, supply chain constraints, anything uh, that we see happening well uh, on the other side, you know, will likely filter in and, you know, uh, result um, in positive impacts in South Africa. But also at the same time, just alerting uh, to say that, yeah, there, there might be one or two uh, political issues that does uh, take us a couple of steps back. Going forward, it will be, you know, the execution, um, you know, as we as we always say, uh, the fact that there were jobs that were added uh, to the economy, I uh, think at least, you know, it's a move, you know, in the right uh, in the right direction. Uh, Davi is a little bit more pessimistic, you know, as he was saying, uh, but any progress, you know, and one just hopes that um, we see sustained, um, you know, quarters with uh, net jobs growth. Um, you know, in the economy, even if, uh, you know, that net jobs growth, you know, does, uh, you know, it looks like it's small numbers, you know, those are more and more, um, you know, families, individuals that are being, that are able uh, to actually put food on the table. And, you know, slowly, you know, speaking to the issue of a process, um, you know, if we do that, see that sustained momentum on jobs growth and jobs creation, uh, then we're likely to see, um, you know, a, 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 a bigger dent, you know, when it comes to you know employment i think we went down uh from uh, must be 34.5% if i remember correctly and down to 33.8 now that's uh, you know uh 0.7 uh, percentage points uh that uh, you know we we that we're down who knows um if another 600,000 uh, jobs are added to the economy then you're talking 1.4 percentage uh points and you know you're starting to tick down um you know that number and hopefully um, you know in the next coming quarters uh, all of that momentum does uh, continue to persist And that's been it for this edition of the Business Day Spotlight. Remember that you can find our latest podcast on Business Live. That's under the podcast Business Day Spotlight tab on Twitter. We're hashtag BD Spotlight. And remember that you can review and subscribe for free on iono.fm, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, or wherever you choose to get your pods casted. Thank you to our amazing team. Our producer is Paige Muller. I've been Mudio Gavaza of the Business Day and Financial Mail. And this has been another edition of the Business Day Spotlight which is a multimedia live production. So for myself and the rest of the team, it is a good evening, good afternoon, and good morning.